Good morning. I have had such a inspiring time. Just so much inspiration. Looking at Matthew chapter 7. Um, so I'm going to start delving into this. Hello, Brian, Tammy. Uh-oh, I can't see the last name. As a lesson? Man, I need somebody to give me reading lessons. Hi, Jasmine. Okay, so we're going to get into Matthew 7. I hope today is January, February 7th. It is! It's February 7th. I always lose a day on the weekends. Hi, Linda. Um... Okay, so let's get into looking at Matthew 7. And, oh my goodness, if you, if you have not read um, the Matthew 6, I know I didn't do um, a commentary or lesson or whatever you want to call it on Matthew 6, but it was wonderful. Matthew 5 is wonderful. Oh, I just can't do Sundays and Mondays. I'm busy with other things on those days. But Matthew 7. So we start off with judging. Oh, judging, judging, judging. And we live in a society that constantly talks about not judging. Well, there was a song recently that uh, I was seeing a lot of reels and stuff um, about judging. What was it? Oh, man, I, I almost had the melody in my head. Anyway, judging. Oh, man, I keep almost having the melody go. You guys are probably trying to sing it back to the camera as loud as you can. All right, anyway, oh, that song just made me so frustrated because people just get it wrong. They get it wrong. They don't understand what this verse means. Judge not that ye be not judged. All they like is the judge not, and they don't do what I'm about to show you. All they say, they do this, they do this devil thing. Remember, we talked in the last one about um, what was it, Matthew 4, where or Matthew 3, anyway, where the devil came to Jesus in the wilderness and Jesus was was being tempted by the devil, and the devil brought Jesus one verse. And um uh, tried to use the word on Jesus. You cannot take one verse out of context. You've got to recognize that there is a there are layers upon layers. It's like um you know uh there's a there's a story in in our family of a kid who was who got in trouble and was told to go to his room and he was told uh don't come out that door until whatever, you know, he was in timeout. So, you know, don't come out that door until whatever. And his mother saw him playing outside. She went outside and got onto him. What are you doing out there? He said, you said not to come out that door. You didn't say not to go out the window. Well, there is layer upon layer of what is the, the reality. You cannot take just one line of scripture and say, this is, this is what I'm basing life on. And that's what people have done with this verse right here. 
Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, judge not that ye be not judged. And, and they just think, some people say it because they don't want you to point out what is incorrect about their life. And other people use this very naively and think that they are being inappropriate if they pass judgment. And, and that is incorrect. You better know how to judge or you will live a life of constantly being suckered in by the wrong people. So I'm going to go from Jesus saying, judge not that you be not judged. We'll come back to these verses right here in a second. And we're going to pop all the way down here. Verse 15, beware of false prophets. What is Jesus telling us to do? First, he says, judge not that you be not judged. But then he tells us to judge a matter. Beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. You'll know them by their fruits. This is very clearly telling us to judge situations. You'll know them by their fruits. He says, do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil evil fruit. He's telling us to judge people by the fruit that they are producing. A good forth, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth, that bringeth not forth good fruit, is hewn down and cast in the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. You're going to be able to have some discernment about people as you go through life, and you need to understand what it means when it says judge not that you be not judged this it does not end at judge not it goes on to explain there are people and situations that you do need to judge in fact he says it again in Matthew 12 on February 12th we will get to these verses but again he talks about um, good fruit and he goes right from talking about good fruit in verse 34, to very clearly judging these people and calling them a generation of vipers. (laughs) I don't go around calling people vipers, but Jesus was deliberately training his disciples how to respond, how to speak, how to uh, um, be engaged in different situation. And as disciples of Christ, we actually do need to know how to judge. In Luke 6, 44, Luke also records this same scenario. Every tree is known by his own fruit. To judge means to separate, select, or choose. If, if, not if. Because you have to function in this world, you have to know how to separate, how to select, and how to choose. You have to know how to do that. You have to know what you approve of, which people and behaviors you esteem, which things you prefer. You have to know those things. These are all the definitions of judge, and I'll come back to these asterisked ones in just a second. Um, to rule, to govern. You have to know, you have to know who is safe to have around your marriage. 
or else your marriage will be destroyed because you have not properly passed judgment on who is okay to have around your marriage. You have to know, you have to pass judgment on who is safe for your children to be around. And, and this can go in all kinds of levels. It can go in the realm of, of um, sexual predators. You better know how to judge in those situations and keep your children away from them. But also, you need to be able to judge who it's okay for your kids to learn how to create friendships with. See, my goodness, I'm getting into parenting right now. When your children are in the training season, they, their friendships are not meant to be established friendships. Everything about that season of life is training for training purposes and that your kid likes being around this certain person more than they like being around a different sort of person does not mean that that's the right person for you to say, oh, they love being around them. They enjoy their company. No, 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 no. Everything about that child's season of life is training. And it is your job to say, no, they're not coming over. No, we're not going over there. Because you can look at the decisions that mother and father are making and see that they are letting that child do things that you do not see as beneficial to the outcome of your child. You do not have to let your child be friends with that person because this season of life is about training. So what you're going to do during this season of life, I'll tell you what I did with Morgan and Madison, is of course in, in group scenarios, I let them play within the group with the people they were naturally gravitating towards. But when it came to who they were spending private time with in my house and private time with in somebody else's house, I 100% decided that. Into their teen years, my children were 17, 16, 17, even 18 years old. And I was saying about their friends, you do not go hang out with you do not go hang out with people until you call me first and you talk to me. And so they would call me. My son would be, I'm telling you, I did this as long as they let me do it. And that means I did it into their 20s because I had raised them when they were three, four, and five to listen to me when they were 20, 21, and 22. I raised them like that on purpose. I, I established those things on purpose. And to this day, my kids are 24 and 25 years old. My daughter's engaged to be married and she still listens to me. I'm the one that pulls myself back. I pull myself back from being her dictator at this point. I pull myself back because I so established myself as the, the guide in her life. I so established myself as the guides in my kids' lives that now that they are 24 and 25, I'm the one who withholds myself so that they can see what their own decisions do for them. I don't keep my mouth closed. My, my, I'm nearly 50 years old. I'm going to be 50 years old this April. And my mother and father who are in their 70s still tell me what to do. 
Now, they don't tell me what to do, don't do this or don't do that. But I mean, you know, we've, we've entered into that realm of where they, they I want to hear their voice. I'm smart enough to know that their voice means something. It doesn't mean that just because they say, do this or don't do that, that's automatically what I do. My 70-year-old parents are in the realm of in the multitude of counsel for me. But I'm just saying you can make these establishments as you're raising children. So you better teach your children the friendship ages of your children you be the boss of because you are teaching them which children are, which friendships they actually should have and which friendships they should keep on the peripheral acquaintance area. When they are children, you are the one who, who dictates it and you dictate it so that when they become adults, they have a habit and a pattern of deciphering who stays on their peripheral and who actually gets to be a part of their soul. Okay. Wow. Didn't mean to get into that, but I'm going to go with it anyway. So he says, judge not that ye be not judged. Now here's the other definitions of judgment that you've got to um, recognize for, for what Jesus is saying right here. If you pronounce an opinion, then you're going to be judged in return. Okay? You can think something without pronouncing it. You can pass a judgment within your spirit those people are not safe. That is not how I want my children raised. That is not the outcome I want for my marriage. That is not the outcome I want for myself. You can pass a judgment without pronouncing it. The, the other definition of the word judge is to contend as a warrior or combatant. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, judge not that you be not judged. You've got to be willing to be a combatant, which of course Jesus Christ was willing to be. But he's giving a point of wisdom here. The other definition of judge is to dispute. If you're going to start pronouncing judgment to contend for a, a stance to dispute with someone, well, you better be ready to be judged right back. If you start pointing out things about people's lives, you better be ready for them to point back at you. And you know what? You can be ready for them to point back at you. In fact, Jesus says it. Jesus, <laughs> y'all, it kills me how people don't know the word they use this judge not. Don't be judging me. Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. Then he describes all these things. And then he says right here, first, cast out the beam out of thine own eye. And then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of your brother's eye. Y'all, isn't it so sad? People don't know the word. Uh, it kills me. You're killing me, Smalls. Now I see these people talking about don't judge, don't judge. I'm like, you're killing me, Smalls. He says judge not. But then he goes on to put us in a position to judge. Cast out the beam from your own eye. Get yourself clean. Repent. Go back to the fact that Jesus said, Jesus went about preaching. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Get yourself right. 
That's why people want to say, don't be judging me. And they don't want to judge because they don't want to have to clean out their own eye. Get the beam out of your own eye and then shalt thou see clearly too. This is a, a kindness. This is a kindness. If you've got somebody in your life that you love enough to cast the moat out of their eye. It's a kindness. Y'all, it's a kindness. <sighs> oh my goodness, I just love the word of God so much. And then, that's where we get this verse right here. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. When Once you've repented and you start living a life of righteousness, you start creating an environment of holiness. When they won't receive you, you're giving that which is holy to the dogs. They just don't understand it. Now, if you know me, if you follow my private account, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably know my dog has his own Instagram account <laughs> because I love my doggy. I love my doggy like my children. My, my two dogs are like my present toddlers. My 24 and 25 year old, they're out living their own life. I, I need, I need babies and I don't, I don't need more human babies. I like my dogs just fine, but there are things that dogs do not understand. They do not appreciate. My dogs actually do not appreciate that they live under a roof every night. My dogs don't appreciate the safety of that. My dogs have never had to live. My dogs, since they came to me from the shelter, my dogs have never had to contend with foxes at night. And, and, and my, I live out in the country. And out here in the country, there are foxes who make, um, make their nests in the, in the rough around my property. There are badgers, there are raccoons, there are, um, I've never personally seen one, but I've had a lot of my neighbors say that they've seen um, Florida pan panthers, which are big cats with no tails. And uh, my dogs have never had to contend with any of that. They do not appreciate the shelter of my house every night. And after a while, when it comes to humans just constantly fighting you over over you trying to get that mo out of their eye you're gonna have to end up stopping and Je jesus said give not that which is holy unto the dogs neither cast your pearls before swine here's why not because we're cruel not because we don't love them but because there's a chance they're gonna trample it under their feet and not just trample it under their feet turn again and rend you if my dogs started attacking me, they would have to be put down as much as I love them. If they came to a place where they began to attack me, I could not give them the shelter of my home anymore. So give not that which is holy unto the dogs. It doesn't mean that you can't try to help people whose lifestyle does not include understanding, whose lifestyle does not appreciate the pearl of truth and holiness that you have. It doesn't mean you don't at least offer and try to get the moat out of their eye. 
by the way, it says brother's eye, not dogs and, and swine. It's talking about brothers. But nevertheless, that's that's a whole nother thing. But nevertheless, um, as a soul winner, I got to point out that you can at least try. But if if they're not receiving it, you've got to move from that situation unless they turn and rend you. Okay, so let's move on. Pray with goals and intentions. I actually have a Bible study tonight, and this is what it's going to be about. Pray with goals and intentions. Ask, and it shall be given you. Now, later in Scripture, we find that he says, when you ask, you ask amiss that you can heap it upon your own lusts. You're not, you're not praying God prayers. You're praying personal prayers. But if you ask, it shall be given you. And if you will seek, you will find. If you will knock, it shall be open unto you. Now, I believe this so much. I have a lot of people in my life that are from other cultures and civilizations where almost as an American, it's it's like from the womb. I mean, I, we, we're, we're starting to... to live in a generation that it's, this is not the case. I've, I've always been a soul winner, but 99% of everyone I've ever won to the Lord from my teen years all the way through, they've had a foundation, a foundational knowledge of God. But in the last three to five years, 90% of those that I witnessed to do not have, they were not raised with a foundational knowledge of God. They know God exists, but they don't know who God is. They don't know how to pray. They don't know what Christmas is for, what Easter is for. You know, they don't know, they don't know that about any, that any of those have to do with connection to God. Nothing. And, but especially the, the folks that I'm winning to God who have other doctrines, like um, I, I have been given opportunity to witness to Muslim people. I've been given opportunity to witness to Buddhist people. I've been given opportunity to witness to atheist people. And um, one of the things I tell them is you've got to seek. You've got to ask and you've got to seek. And I tell them, when you're in a place of peace, like if you're laying in, in bed at night, just say the words, God, show yourself to me. Because I believe so intently that if you ask, if you seek, and if you knock, you will be given the proper responses. God will meet you there. And so I'm telling that to people who need to find God to begin with. How much more if we pray with goals and intentions for nations, for governments, for the salvation of neighborhoods, for coworkers, how much more is God going to answer these prayers when we are praying God prayers, not heap them upon our own lusts prayers, but God prayers, because everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, to the one that knocks, it will be opened. And then he goes on to compare those parents or those fathers, but parents who who give the best that they can give to their children and how much more will God do this for us? 
And moving into verse 13, now we tend to preach this when you enter in at the straight gate, when you enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. We 100% equate this to eternity. And I believe it applies to eternity. I believe that the way to heaven is, is a, a stricter way and the way to hell is a very easy way. It's an, e it's an easy path to get to hell. It's a broad way to get to hell. It's an easy, it's a strict, narrow way to get to heaven. I believe that's true. But let's look at what um, destruction means. Destruction means it's a it's the the Greek word is apoleia. There's something like that. Apoleia. There's oh there it is. Apoleia. And it means destroying, right? So broad is the way that leads to destruction. It means destroying. But here's something else that's important to know, like visually, to 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 understand more deeply this passage. The other place that this Greek word is used is in Matthew 26, 8, when the woman broke the alabaster box and it poured out on Jesus' feet. And they said, to what purpose is this waste? This word waste is also this word apoleia which means destroying. And when I realized that, it helped me understand more the way of destruction and the way of life. Instead of merely looking at it like eternity, as in destruction is hell and life is heaven, to realize that this is a, a way to live so that our everyday life, our daily living is either destruction or life. Now, the word life is the Greek word zoe. And it means the state of one who is possessed of vitality. We're talking about daily living wouldn't you love to live a life that is possessed of vitality? Wouldn't you love to live week after week, month after month, the absolute fullness of life? Wouldn't you love to live daily life, real and genuine, active and vigorous? That's what this word means. It's not merely talking about, although I believe it can include it, but it's not merely talking about after you die, where you'll end up, heaven or hell. It's talking about, it's giving you the key to a daily way, a monthly, a yearly way of living that is possessed of vitality, fullness of life, real, genuine, active, vigorous. And 
And, and the opposite of that is living a life that is like that vessel that the woman broke at Jesus' feet. But we're not talking about broken at Jesus' feet. We're talking about that goodness that was in it leaking out, just being sapped. So you have to picture your life as a vessel. Are you leaking out vitality, fullness of life, genuineness, being active and vigorous? Does it seem to be leaking out of you? Does it seem to be leaking out of you? And if so, then we need to look at what straight means and broad means. Because this is the key to whether or not we are are leaking out all of our vitality or we're full of goodness. We're talking about if we're going to live a life of fullness, we have a we have to live a lifestyle of restriction. We have to cut off those things from our lives that are leading to carnality, that are opening us up to, to the spirit of God and the goodness of God leaking out. Because straight is the gate that gets us to this point of, of vitality. And the word straight means narrow, cramp, bind, oppress, crowding, as in crowding it out. Some, a word that comes to mind when I think of these words is fasting. When we live a lifestyle that includes fasting, we are narrowing our choices. When we decide to live a lifestyle of holiness and modesty, we are narrowing what we, what is available to us. When we start cutting off some activities that the rest of the world is doing, we are, we perhaps are cramping our style. <laughs> God is not asking us to do these things because he wants us to live um, uh, um, in, in less than, than the goodness, less than joy. He's trying to say, few find this way of life. Few realize this is the key. Few realize narrowing your choices and getting rid of the broadness is actually the key to vitality, vigorous lifestyle, fullness of life. The American culture tries to tell us that you need more, get more, have more. And we get more, we we achieve more, and instead of feeling full of vigorous and vitality, we feel like things are are emptying out of us. This culture deals with more depression and anxiety and than ever. And we have more than ever. Few find out that the way to have life, vitality, goodness, a vigorous lifestyle is to narrow down what we have. Few there be that find it. Few there be that find it. Okay, I'm going to end with, with this right here. And I'm, I can say this quickly. Be doers of the word, not just hearers. You cannot just hear these definitions 
and then say, oh, that sounds good and walk around and say, we prophesy in the name of the Lord. We cast out devils. We do wonderful works in the name of the Lord and think you are fine for eternity. <sighs> because if you hear these things and you do not do them, your life is going to be like the person who is built on sand. Every storm, every wind, everything is just going to, to wash away your life if you don't do the word of God. If all you do is hear the word of God, all you do is hear it then your life is going to be like this. It's going to be like sand. And every time it rains, your foundation is going to be washed out from underneath you. Every time it rains, every time a poor situation comes in your life. Since this is a ladies group, I'm going to say every time PMS hits your life, every time your cycle changes, every time your hormones and chemicals in your body shift, it's going to be like sand. But if you do the word of God, do the word, do the word, do the word. Then you're going to be like a house built on a rock. And every time the rain comes, you're going to be able to stand. Doesn't mean that you're not going to be affected by the rain. You're, the, the lightning's going to strike. The thunder's going to roll. It's, it's, it, it's going to happen. But when the rain is, is gone, when the storm is gone, this is what you're left with. Vitality, a vigorous life, strength, fullness of life. But only if you are a doer of the word, a doer of the word. Oh, I love the word of God so much. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so thankful for those who have preserved the word of God I'm so thankful for those who are willing to hear the word of God. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus' name.